I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. We're super excited to be hanging out with you guys today. And we are recording our first guest interview of season three today um, with Michael Bruni Groth from The Logo Package. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thanks for having me. Let's jump right into our intro question. So now that we're well into the social distancing era, we're probably all still in our home offices. And I was wondering, do you have a separate space that you like to get work done or are you basically like tied into your home office at this point? I used to occasionally when I really wanted to focus, go out to a cafe or something like that, but it's less likely to be an option these days. So I actually am lucky enough to have uh, a separate room that is my home office. And that is where I do most of my work these days. But additionally, my partner, Ashley is a high school freshman biology teacher so she's she's working in the house too so we had to separate we had to set up a whole home workspace for her as well Uh, so that's a little different and actually one thing i did to help out was i bought earmuffs not not things that you can listen through but like (laughs) when you're mowing the lawn and they have those big red earmuffs on i bought those so i could put them over my head to stop from i don't know if you guys know about this but rainymood.com is like a website that just plays like rain sounds. And so if like my husband is being really loud for some reason, I'll just go to rainymood.com and like put my headphones in and turn it up really loud. It's kind of like white noise with like rainy. So it like relaxes you. So you should try that. I'm like, well, that's hilarious. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is so funny. I would have just used like the little earplugs too. Like the ones I used to go to sleep, especially when I'm camping. Right. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I used I used to do that, but then my puppies started eating all of them. So I felt like the choking hazard risk was was too great. Jen, what about you? So I'm very lucky to have a home office. It's a separate room in my house. It's actually kind of like a little library area in my house. It has like little French doors. It's like not a bedroom, but it's kind of connected to my living room. And I love it. I have like my cork board above my desk that has like all the greeting cards anyone has ever given me like that can fit. My husband actually decided to move into my office as well. So he got himself a child-sized desk to fit in the corner of my (laughs) office, but a dining room chair at that desk. He hooked up his monitor and he has his computer and sometimes he comes in here and does work with me, which I I actually really like. I think maybe some people would find that annoying, but I kind of like it. So. Oh, how cute. It's like you have a coworker. (laughs) I know. I do. I do. How about you, Giselle? You know, I have like my little corner office. I used to have the guest room was my whole office space. And then we started, you know, having a lot of guests over and I moved over to my bedroom and had like this huge corner that we didn't do anything with it. So that's where I put my office. And since COVID, we kept it at the other room as a guest room for a long time. And then recently my husband started online teaching as well. And so we made that into like his little classroom set up and we even had like a little whiteboard in the back and everything. But I, yeah, I spend most of my time in my office. Like you, Michael, like I loved working from a cafe, especially when I just wanted to get work done and like didn't really feel inspired. Um, So I really like 
getting that like novel experience kind of influence. And so this time I just, I either just go to the couch or the backyard or like the dining area or whatever. So I kind of have to just move around a little bit around the house. I do like working from my kitchen because food is closer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just a good one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure a lot of people feel me on that one. Your own little personal cafe. I know. Right. Oh, so excited for coffee shops to open back up. Yeah. So Michael, we're super excited to have you on the podcast because we all know you as the Logo Package Express and we really want to tell your story. Jen and I have heard Michael's story before, but we really want our listeners to hear it. It's pretty awesome. And we're just going to allow you to introduce yourself to anybody that has never heard of you or the Logo Package. Just give us your introduction. My full name, which is super long, is Michael August Bruni Groth. Super easy to find on Facebook that way. I am the creator of The Logo Package. The Logo Package is a sort of umbrella company. And then the product that The Logo Package produces is called Logo Package Express. And Logo Package Express is an extension for Adobe Illustrator. As brand designers, I think most people listening will be familiar with exporting logos at the end of a project. And if you do a really robust logo package for your clients, that can take an hour or more of time. And so what Logo Package Express does is it's in simplest terms is an extension that automates that process, creates all the different color variations and exports them very quickly and automatically into a pre-sorted folder structure that you can then just zip up and send your clients. And it does it in about three to five minutes. So it's a big time saver and allows you to be more accurate and get things off to your clients more quickly. So that's, that's where I'm at now is running that company and working on that product. But to go back, essentially I found graphic design by accident. In high school, I enrolled for a film class and they just put me in the design class instead of the film class. Maybe it was my fault. I don't know, but I intended to be in a film class. So I learned digital photography and I learned Photoshop and Flash. Actually, it was Macromedia Flash back then. It wasn't even Adobe Flash yet. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I, I did that in high school and then I took the advanced class because I really liked it. And I said, well, hmm, you know, I'm enjoying going to after hours, lab hours and doing work on this when it's my free time. So maybe there's something in this and ended up going to university, the uh, Western Michigan University for graphic design, got a bachelor's of fine art in graphic design. And I moved to Chicago because I was in Michigan. And, you know, at that time I grew up in Michigan. Then I moved to Chicago. I didn't know anyone in Chicago. I didn't have any job prospects. I just knew that I needed to get to sort of a big city. And, you know, that first summer with no air conditioning, I even forgot my shower curtain rings. So I didn't have uh, a shower curtain for a little while in like a 150 square foot studio apartment. But uh, I quickly got a job at a marketing agency doing design work. And then after a year, I worked for a branding agency for about three years. And then I decided I wanted to go freelance. And I acquired two big contracts, the American Medical Association here in Chicago. And then I was also working remotely as a creative director for the for a company in San Diego that did uh, Kickstarter campaigns, crowdfunding campaigns, uh, Indiegogo as well. And so oh, that was... Cool really interesting. And I was enjoying doing the freelancing thing. And actually I was making a lot more money as a freelancer than I was as a 
an agency designer. And then one of those contracts kind of, uh, you know, ended and I had about half of my time free and I wanted to become this sort of unicorn designer who could completely custom develop websites and design them and do branding and like, you know, everything. And I started learning about some sort of backend web development technologies, but I took a little detour and started reading a book about product design. And I found a research method within the first few chapters for coming up with ideas for products that really resonated with me. And so as an exercise, I just kind of started it and it led me down the path to discovering this idea for the logo package and logo package express. And then there's the whole history of how that, you know, came to be as well. But essentially that's how I ended up working on a product instead of, you know, being a, a designer that I had been for, you know, almost a decade. Wow. That's an awesome story. I love that. And you know, you didn't just like go at one point in your life, like this is how I'm going to end up. You just kind of right. went with the flow and just followed the next big thing that you were excited about. Yeah. Very fortunate to be able to do that. Yes. Having that agency experience really got yourself deep into like the industry standards and all of the things that designers and teams even need. I I guess we should go into our topic for the day. Yeah, like we were really excited to talk with Michael about kind of just the best branding tools of the trade. We get a lot of, you know, Facebook group and on our Instagram about like, what do you guys recommend? Like what type of tools do you recommend? What type of websites, you know, what type of resources? And we do have a really big resources guide on our website, but I'm personally always discovering new resources, whether it's from someone that I've talked to or another designer or on the internet or a book or something. So we thought it would be fun today to kind of just go around maybe roundtable discussion type of situation where we kind of all share about maybe some new resources and tools of the trade that we like. Really excited to talk about some of these, some of these tools. And I've got a long list, but I'll let everyone kind of go, go through their favorites. Michael, do you want to get us started off with some of your favorites? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when, when I did work at agencies, it was pre-2016. So Adobe was everything. And then the new kid on the block was Sketch for web design. Oh, yeah. So since then, you know, I have, I've done a few branding projects, but mainly I've transitioned full-time into the logo package. So things that are important to me are to be able to prototype my ideas. Uh, and the, the thing that I like to use the most is Figma. And Figma is essentially a Sketch competitor, but it's, it's a web browser-based design tool. And it's really a collaborative platform that also allows you to, you know, sort of mock up interactions and that sort of thing. Um, and it just, when it, when it came out, it was okay. And then it kept getting better and better and better until it like did everything Sketch did and more and was better at doing those things than Sketch. But one way that I use it in particular that I think is really useful to, for uh, branding designers is for your presentations. Like if you've got to present your whole pitch or you've got to present a logo or whatever, um, I love Figma because I can share that screen with anybody. Um, I can go into presentation mode and they can then leave comments on the presentation the, the client can afterwards with just a simple link. And in addition, there's some cool animation things you can do that are very simple. One example is I had to do a logo refinement project once 
where it wasn't so much recreate re remaking a new logo. It was like tweaking the graphics of the existing logo. Right. Like and a little with, refresh. Right. And with Figma, I was able to do kind of an overlay effect where as I hovered over, it would slowly fade into the new design and fade out to the old design. And you can just get really creative with, um, with presenting concepts and ideas uh, to your clients, share it with them and allow them to leave comments for feedback. Uh, so I think it's a really powerful way to present to, to clients. Michael and Giselle, I know you both love Figma. I currently use Adobe XD and I'm honestly like open to switching. Michael, do you have any insight into like what the difference is and like if you recommend Figma more so than Adobe XD? Yeah, so for a long time, XD was catching up. And I think what XD sort of, once they became very popular, came out of the gate with was um, sort of the auto animate between, you know, you'd have one screen and then you'd have another screen where the objects were moved or whatever, and it would automatically animate between the two. Um, and Figma, when, when XD released that feature, Figma didn't really have that very down pat very well, but then Figma, you know, did their auto animate or whatever feature. So they have that capability now as well. And then XD came out with sort of states. So if you have a button um, in your website design or something like that, and you want to have that same symbol contain a hover state, an active state, a pressed state, a um, disabled state, all of those different things, Adobe was allowing you to work with one instance of a symbol that had multiple states and Figma didn't have that. Well, now Figma's caught up, they have it, and they tend to always do it a little bit better than the competitors as well. So XD and Figma are probably pretty similar at the upper end of their capabilities. I think it's just sort of the refinement um, and the dedication to the product of Figma that always makes me go back to it because Adobe yeah. is great as they are they're spread thin. You know, Giselle and I are working through a rebrand of the um, Better website, which hopefully by the time this podcast airs, it's going to be live. So go check it out, guys. But we, she's been sharing um, Figma, like, I don't even know what you would call it, like a refinement, like it's a share screen where I can go and put pins on the site and make comments. And it's just been such a breeze. And I know that you can do that in XD, but I almost like the interface of Figma better. So I'm really thinking about switching over. So I'm glad you were talking about that because it's kind of given me this extra push to be like, you know what? I need to, I need to check this out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was using Figma this morning. Even I spent like an hour and a half building a web page based off of the design from Figma. And then you just use the inspector and you hover over things and you see what the padding is for like almost everything. And you mm. can like do like a quick copy of any kind of hex code or whatever you're using over and over again. Because I was running into some issues like, even working with my developer from XD where the font size didn't translate to like the web in XD. I don't know if that was me using it wrong, could have could very well be, but he was taking the font size, like what, it was like 20 or something and then putting it on, you know, the web and Webflow. And it was like huge on the website. I was like, hey, can we make that font a little bit smaller? He's like, well, <laughs> I made it the exact size that it was in XD. And I was like, okay, well, it looks way too big. It looks completely different from the mock-up, you know? So yeah. maybe I need to, to switch over to Figma. The way that, Michael, the way that you presented it for branding, oh my gosh, I am so excited to try that. That's a yeah, great. it's been very effective for me um, in present. You know, 
I don't know what you guys are proponents of one concept or three concepts, but if you had that one concept and then, you know, you've got, you want to present it on multiple brand applications or whatever, you know, it's, it's always nice to have a presentation and to have something that the client can actively provide feedback on is great. And then there's creative ways to, you know, make things a little more interactive, even if maybe there's going to be an animated element of the logo, you know, on the website for a loading screen or something like that, like just get it all in there. What I do when I do my presentation, I'll send over like a Dubsado form. So there's basically like parts of the presentation and there's a little like form blur like or in, input field or whatever that they can write in about, you know, what are your thoughts on the logo primary and the this other thing and this other thing, the color palette. And sometimes the client will talk about one thing about the logo, but because they're not a designer, they can't really like, they can't find the words. So they find their own way to describe it. And the whole time I'm thinking like, what are they talking about? Being able to just like directly comment on the thing that they're talking about, that's going to be amazing. I'm so excited to try this. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. I mean, like I'm still in the dark ages of sending over a PDF I've created and illustrated and collecting feedback via email. So this sounds like a way (laughs) better way to do that. (laughs) Always getting better, right? (laughs) (laughs) Do you have another one that you want to throw at us, Michael? Another favorite for branding tools? Um, yeah, I have, you know, like I said, since I'm focused on my my product company, you know, I have a lot of just general business tools, but anybody who's freelancing or has an agency is also a business. Mm-hmm. So I can talk about one, I have on my list, I have one general business tool and I have one more branding related tool. So do you have a preference? All right, let's go with the branding one first. Okay, cool. So in 2016, when I switched over to doing freelance, uh, proposals were a big deal, right? Like do my, the agency I came from was still doing them in InDesign and everything was custom and it took days to make a proposal. And um, I had been following a designer on YouTube uh, named Ron Sigal. And he's got the Flux YouTube channel and Flux Academy. And I had read his book about essentially how to be better at freelancing uh, called Value for Money about pricing and doing proposals. And it turned out that he had made a tool for creating proposals. And this tool was called Prospero, but the URL was goprospero.com. And a year or two ago, this it was actually acquired, but the tool remains largely the same And what's really cool about it is it provides you with a uh, fully responsive web site proposal, not a proposal for websites, but a proposal that is a website and you can get it signed and everything right from that tool. And I'm sure a lot of these things, like you're talking about Dubsado and so on do this, but what, what I really liked about it was as you went through and built the proposal, there were sections that you could choose from that you wanted to include. And it would be, you know, about the company, about the project. And some of it you'd have to write yourself. But when you got to like, why choose me and the sort of line items of the project and all that stuff, there were sort of pre-written templatized things for you. So if you said, you know, I'm really reliable, I'm fast, and I have lots of experience, then it automatically generated paragraphs that talked about these qualities of yourself. And so you could then just go and tweak it a little bit 
to say, ah, I wouldn't really speak that way, or that's not exactly what I meant, whatever. But you just build it out really quickly. And it accommodated whether you wanted to do sort of value pricing or hourly pricing or whatever. And then, you know, lastly, it was a link that your clients could look at anywhere, anytime. They don't have to open up a PDF, have a PDF reader, whatever. They can just go to this website and you put the legal terms in there. And that was also something that was templatized. You know, you pick your kind of terms and they just automatically come in all fully editable if you need it to be. And then the client looks it over and they sign it and you start the job. So Prospero, which is goprospero.com, was primarily what I used for my um, proposals. Wow, that's so awesome. I remember Prospero. I've never tried it though, but that's so cool to hear. I've never heard any other feature like that elsewhere. Dubsado definitely doesn't have that. (laughs) Auto-generating the paragraphs. I use HoneyBook and it's still just kind of like pre-made template style thing where you can kind of scroll through it. Um, but that sounds amazing, especially because I bet you it can be branded beautifully. And that's one of mm-hmm. the things that you kind of give up when you use a CMS like HoneyBook or Dubsado. I mean, I know Dubsado, you, you can brand it with your logo and stuff, but I'm sure this is just like a step up. With Dubsado, when you create a proposal and you you can like add in custom code and like really make it into this web page and interactive and this and that, but that requires custom code and um, you have to really know what you're doing. So a lot of people don't do anything. They just like use kind of like Jen said, like more templates. Is Prospero more like, I guess, like Webflow, which we can talk about later. Prospero, the, the ingenuity, the uniqueness of Prospero is just that it takes a lot of the like writing and coming up with idea work out of it. As far as customization goes, you can upload whatever sort of cover image you want and you can upload your logo and you have a selection of fonts to choose from. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you can put inline styling. Like if you do know how to code a little bit, you can wrap a, you know, a certain amount of the text with a tag that says, oh, this needs to be bold and um, green or something like that. But you know, the standard WYSIWYG editor type options of bold, italic, that sort of stuff. But ultimately, you know, a lot of times we get really hung up on the super fine design details, but the client typically doesn't know the difference between a 100% immaculate port, uh, proposal design and like an 80% yeah. automated kind of design. So when I first started Wander Design, I actually started in 2016. So around the same time they started freelancing. I think almost immediately I hopped on the Dubsado train. So I've been on Dubsado for almost four years and before that, I was doing the PDFs on InDesign, making them pretty. And then I did Dubsado, made them look pretty. And then eventually, I'm now down to just like, when I have the phone call with the client, we agree on a price and this and that. And I just send them the invoice with like right. the details on it. And I'm like, I'm not even sending a proposal anymore at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. I mean, there's a difference between you having clients coming to you um, and then also getting an RFP, right? Oh yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to do something for a museum, they're not just calling you up and saying, what's the price? They're going to send out a formal request uh, for a proposal and yes. then they're going to be getting 30 of them. So, you know, you do need to have something in the pipeline, but uh, certainly you can build a business where proposals oh, yeah. are not necessarily something you need to do. Absolutely. And speaking of the RFPs, one of the recent RFPs that I sent over 
I ended up doing on InDesign and spent a lot of time on the design just because I really wanted to impress them. I knew we were the small, probably the smallest studio putting in an RFP for like a big budget client. And turns out we didn't get chosen, not to my surprise, but they chose somebody that had more experience in the industry that they were looking for. They were for outdoor and that's like the kind of industry I'm trying to get into. And so, but they called me afterwards and they told me we were super impressed by your proposal. Like, would you like to be our creative director? Oh, wow. (laughs) And so now I do creative direction for the agency. They're a digital marketing agency. Awesome. Are you on a um, retainer with them? Is that how you set that up? It's uh, project-based. So they'll bring me on every time someone needs like branding work or they want me to oversee like the team's creative. But that's an excellent little side point that, you know, if you are sending good proposals and you're doing good work and you're a freelancer, you may often get requests from your clients to say, will you just work for us? And in those cases, what you should have in your back pocket is some sort of system for getting on a retainer to say, listen, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't come work for you, but I can be available to you for two days a week and for, you know, a thousand dollars a week or whatever. And so then now you're on a nice four to $8,000 contract that is recurring every month, but you're not giving all of your time to these people. Um, that's, that's exactly something. what I have. A, I have a client that I've worked with actually for like four years now that I have been on retainer with for a really long time. Um, curiosity.com. I don't know if you, you guys know that website, but they actually just got acquired by Discovery, Discovery Media. And so I got transferred along with the team. And so now I'm um, on retainer with the Discovery Media, which is pretty cool. And wow. provide <laughs> I know it's crazy. I literally started when it was so small and somehow like stayed on the team as like a remote freelancer for like four years. So it's fantastic. But I, I do social media graphics and, you know, just pretty much any type of graphic design that this company needs. And it's not even like my niche at all. But like, I love working with the team so much. Um, so yeah, I mean, definitely guys, if you can set up a retainer with a client that treats you well, that, you know, is respectful of you and your time and, you know, pays you in a, in a good amount, then like it's, it is fantastic because I also get help with that from my contractors. And so, you know, I'm kind of overseeing this, you know, retainer project and they know that I have contractors and that I work with a team and it's fantastic. Um, so yeah, just my little retainer plug. Um, well, tell us about your other business tool that you were going to mention. Yes. Uh, this one, I think, is fairly well-known, but it's kind of a lifesaver, Calendly. So I'm, I, I don't know if anybody's not heard of Calendly, but <laughs> Calendly essentially is just, um, it sets you up with a link. You can send that link to anybody who's trying to schedule a meeting with you, and it pops open your availability. And as people schedule time, those time slots disappear. So, you know, instead of you saying, okay, well, you know, I'm available Tuesday and Wednesday next week. What time are you available? And the client says, oh, well, I'm not available till Thursday. Like, well, I could squeeze you in at nine. Well, no, we're not available for the afternoon. You know, <laughs> yeah. it just goes on and on and on. And it's on. like, oh, what time zone are we talking about? <laughs> right. Yeah. right. Oh and, gosh. <laughs> yes. And the time zone confusion, but with Calendly, uh, you just set up, you can set up different types of events that people can schedule with you. Usually it's by the time constraint, a half hour meeting, a 15 minute meeting. Um, but it could also be like branding strategy session as one of your types and um, consulting is another, whatever. It's very customizable. And 
the other thing is it'll integrate with your, your meeting tools like uh, Zoom, you know, and so the person schedules that meeting for 3 p.m. on a Thursday and it goes to your calendar and it also goes to your Zoom and provides them with the link when, that they need to go to when the meeting is ready. I mean, it does everything for you. It's a very, very simple tool to use, very simple idea, but extremely powerful. Yes. Yeah, we, we're all about that. Does HoneyBook have some sort of schedule? I was going to jump in and say HoneyBook actually just released a scheduling tool and it, it works in the exact same way that Calendly does. Um, I really like it because like, like Michael said, you can, you can set different like events. Like I have create a direction call, web strategy call, discovery call, general call if I, ha- I want to talk to one of my contractors or whatever. And so I actually try to really like time block my calls and only take calls at certain times during the day. So like I do have it very restricted. Most of the time I'm only available at like 10 AM during like, you know, Monday through Thursday. And then if someone like isn't available, then, then they'll email me and I'll just be flexible with them. But that has been super, super helpful. Um, I'm not so sure about zoom integration. I'll have to like look into that. I think I might need to put the link in manually every time. So maybe Calendly probably would be a better option, but the fact that it's already included in a service that I pay for is pretty nice. Yeah. Right. And Dubsado also has a scheduler. And just recently, like from as of recording, I think maybe a couple months ago, sometime this summer, they released the um, Zoom slash Google Meet, whatever you use, integration. So before that, I would have to go in and manually put it in. Um, and I wasn't using Calendly just for the just because I wanted to keep more things in house. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think Calendly is definitely more powerful and then they have the pricing plan. So you can do a lot more things with it that you can't do in Dubsado or, you know, HoneyBook. So it depends on how detailed or, you know, things like that you want to be. Guys, I'm going to go on like a shopping spree after this episode. (laughs) (laughs) This is bad for my bottom line, guys, but I'm excited. I mean, I love (laughs) discovering new tools and stuff. Well, we we use Calendly for the better podcast. We Calendly for better. Yes, we do. And I've really enjoyed that. One thing that um, I think Calendly would be really, really good for too, or is really good for is um, for people that have to schedule appointments like therapists or beauty salons or, you know, those kinds of places too. So if you guys have clients that do that, then check it out for your clients too. Like I've checked it out for one of my clients who they, they're basically a big consulting firm for the entertainment industry. And I blew them away when I sent them my scheduler from Dubsado. And he's like, how do you do this magic? And I'm like, oh, I'll teach you. <laughs> and then I figured, well, Dubsado's not going to work for him, but Calendly would work. And I like checked out the pricing and all that stuff and sent it over. So these are good things to know too for your clients. Provide value any way you can. Love it. Yeah. So Jen, tell us some of your favorite tools that you wanted to talk about today. Yes. So I have a lot and I'll just go over kind of like my top few. There's one that I actually just recently discovered and I don't know, I might be way behind on this, but it's called fontspring.com. You guys use that? Yeah. I, sh- I, should I don't know. <laughs> I, yes. Okay. Giselle, I don't know. I don't remember where I find these things, but apparently Giselle shared it, shared it with me. So I'll just talk about it with you guys because, you know, I don't know. It, 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 it literally blew my mind when Giselle sent it to me. I was like, oh my gosh, because 
All right. Imagine yourself doing a brand project. You are doing a ton of typography research. That's the very first step. And you know, my exploration phase and I go and just like look at like hundreds of fonts, like so many different fonts. And I kind of type out the name of the client and the font and I take a screenshot and then I throw it in my art board. And you know, that's kind of my process right now. But then Giselle blew my mind um, and sent me fontscreen.com. It lets you download demo versions of fonts so that you don't have to go and like purchase a ton of fonts when you're doing like exploration for a project. And then you just have to like remember to mark somewhere in your fonts folder or wherever that like you have the demo version. And then if you wanted to use the font or the client approved it, you can go back and buy it. We have a lot of people ask about fonts in the Facebook group. It's a huge question for brand designers. Do I buy the font? Does the client buy the font? When at, like at what point during the process do I purchase the font? And what I do now is I'll purchase like kind of my top two or three to really do some exploration with if they're like not a thousand dollars, if we're talking like, you know, below like $75 for fonts, like I'm not purchasing $3,000 worth of fonts that I don't know if the client's <laughs> going to choose. But with FontSpring, you can go and check and see if the font that you want is on there and then you can find the demo version on there. So mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Anytime you can actually play with the real fonts, then that's great. I mean, like I, I'm not going to lie. I've been there where I've taken a screenshot and I've created outlines and manipulated it that way just to see. I know everyone's done that, but you know, it's not exact. And you know, sometimes the serifs look weird and you know, it's just, it's a mess. So anytime you can work with the actual font file is, is fantastic. And I love when foundries provide demos, but FontSpring is a great resource for like multiple different foundries and like a ton of fonts. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's super awesome. And for people that on, on our group, um, cause you're right, Jen, a lot of people ask about this. If they don't want to purchase a font, but they want the client to purchase it and license it and like not deal with any of that, then yeah, they can download the demo font, create, you know, create the design. And most of the time, um, and Jen, you, I know you and I, and I think Michael, you did too, or you do too. Um, you keep the integrity of the typeface that you use in the font, uh, in the uh, logo and you don't use it elsewhere. Um, so you can have it, the client license it to your agency as well as to them, but they purchase it, they deal with everything and they keep the font if they wanted it. But then, you know, you don't have to have it. I love that. And, and one, one more thing that I wanted to let you guys know about was the way that I kind of keep track of like what fonts that I have licenses for and which ones that I don't is that like, I actually have my fonts folder as a shortcut in my finder, um, you don't really usually have access to that, but you can find, you can Google like how to find my fonts folder on, on Mac or whatever. And you can kind of like do the little key code or whatever it is. Yeah. Like it's like, um, it's kind of like, I don't know. I, I used right font and of course I hate font book, font book sucks, but like (laughs) now I just literally have a folder. And what I do is I mark the font with a green tag if I've purchased mm. it and I mark it with a red tag if I've either gotten it from a contractor that I'm not allowed to use it in other projects or if I don't have the license for it and it's a demo. Yeah. Um, and then there are certain other tags I'll use orange for like, I think I use orange for if I got it from a contractor and I can only use it for that contractor's projects, um, but I have it saved on my computer still. It's just, it's a great way to just like be able to see right away, like, oh, I can't use that for a client project. Or if I do, then I need to go and purchase the license for it. And I always try to keep the license in the folder along with the font file. That's kind of how I organize it. Hopefully that that helps. I mean, I'm sure there's better ways to do it. The tags are great if you have, you know, if you're on a Mac, I like that you sort of have a copy of that folder. Um, One thing you can do, you have to Google it, but you can set up an alias 
folder where there's a folder on your desktop that is basically a synced copy of the other folder. And so you can just drag things into the desktop folder, but it will also appear in the system folder. And then yeah. with tagging on, on the Mac OS, you can also create custom tags that are by name and not by color. And so if you're doing research or something, or you've got your fonts and it's like, you really quickly want to find a whimsical font or something like that. Like you can tag all the fonts that you think are whimsical with a custom mm -hmm. text font or a text tag on your Mac OS. Okay. And I also wanted to throw in that font spring, that system is replicated in some other smaller tools as well, or less well-known tools that deal with smaller type foundries. So there's another one called font stand Ooh. that does the same thing, but it's a little bit wackier fonts, a little bit more custom, not custom, but just they're, they're smaller uh, type foundries. So font stand does the same thing. It lets you lease the font for an hour or whatever, and then you can't use it anymore, but well, for the rest of that day. So, you know, when you're going through and you're doing these things, you just, you just, um, mock up your logos with those typefaces and then you, you make outlines, you know, and you have yeah. to remember, so probably use layers and label them or something. You have to remember, but don't ever, you know, sell the artwork without licensing the font, but at yeah. least you can maintain access to it if you create outlines. That's uh, so awesome. Presentation to, purposes. That's so awesome to know that font stand. Is that more like um, foundries, like creative market type of small foundries or a little bigger than that? They, I believe they're foundries that are like, operating as a business, primarily creating and selling fonts. I don't gotcha. think they're necessarily an individual who created a font and yeah. just uploaded it to Envato or Creative Market or something. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. And by the way, speaking of this and Creative Market, for those um, that don't know, because I, th I think we have a lot of new designers that listen to our podcast, Creative Market every Monday releases like the week's collection of freebies. And you can, you know, if you have an account, you can sign in and just download free things that Creative Market wants you to sample. And a lot of the times they include typefaces. Well, you can definitely play around with that and have fun with it and everything, but check the licensing because most of the time it's only for personal use. So if you end up using a freebie for um, a logo or something like that, then you're probably not covered and you need to actually purchase a license. So, and you have to go back to Creative Market and get that. Just wanted to throw that out there. Good tip. Good tip, because I've, I've been there. Back in the day, like way back before I started doing, doing client work, I didn't know what a font license was, you know? Right, I yeah. I was like, personal use, I'm using it. We also are big fans of Moyo Studio mock-ups yes. and things like that. If you want to talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit, Jen. I have not heard of Moyo Studio. I have oh, perfect. a huge list of just so many resources that you, you get over the years, but um, I have not heard of Moyo. They are kind of like a small boutique photography slash mock-up studio, I guess is the way that I would describe them. And they, their mock-ups are just the most high quality mock-ups that I've seen. Like they, you know, sometimes you download stuff from Graphic Burger or Creative Market and you're like, eh, like it doesn't really look real when you put it in. You're like, eh, that's a mock-up, but it's going to work for my purposes. Like Moyo Studio is like the cream of the crop. Like not only is their photography style just very much in alignment with like 
my aesthetic, but I feel like it is very versatile and can work for a lot of different designers aesthetics. It is very minimalist, very clean, a lot of neutrals, but they do have multiple different types of collections where some of them are a little bit warmer and they have peach tones or they have some that are, you know, they have a theme of like seashells or whatever it is. And so like they have such a vast library of uh, mock-ups and stock photography. And I know Giselle, you actually have their subscription, right? And so how does that work? Do you get new stuff every month? So with the subscription, you have access to everything. And I believe you have unlimited downloadables uh, or downloads. And actually they stopped doing subscription. So really, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was one of their biggest sales that they had recently. They were like, Hey, this is the last time you can subscribe. So um, after this, you know, we're not accepting subscriptions and here's a discount for that. So I subscribed for a year back in January. So, you know, the thing for me, it's like, I, I don't know, like I don't use it as often, especially because I'm not posting on social media a lot and like updating my portfolio as much as I should be. So whenever it's been like a month or two, I'm like, oh, like I need another one. And I can just go to the website and go through it. And it's been nice. But for those that have subscribed, that's what... <laughs> Oh, you, get, I you get that it. benefit. Yeah. Honestly, like I, I do like going in and just kind of purchasing like the collections that I like, because sometimes it's like a collection, like won't really jive with like right. what I'm, or the, the client or what I'm doing for the project or something. Like I wouldn't use something with seashells for someone who's like super serious, you know, like maybe seashells would be good for like a cool beauty brand, you know, or something like that. So I don't yeah. know. I just, I, I see the one thing that I will say about Moyo Studio is that they are extremely popular. And so mm-hmm. I've seen the same mock-ups across a bunch of different social media channels that might just be because I'm in the design world and I see a lot of other designers doing their stuff. I don't <sighs> think a client would ever see like, oh my gosh, they use the same mock-up. Like, whoa, like I, I don't even think that clients truly understand like how mock-ups work they're just like whoa how did they print my business card and take a photo of it like I don't know (laughs) I really I've had clients like respond like that to me before and I explain like oh I created this in photoshop they're like what My yeah. you know, and actually I've just recently started adding mock-ups to kind of my brand package and my web package. So when I send off like my whole thing, I've used the logo package, I've created all my <laughs> folders, I, I add another folder in there and I make a mock-ups folder and I put a bunch of mock-ups in there of my brand elements being used. Because when someone shares my work, I want it to look good. And so when people see that folder, they're like, oh my goodness, like these are all things I can use on social media. This is amazing. And so it's just a little great way to kind of sprinkle some extra value in there, but also make sure that like the client doesn't make your branding look bad. (laughs) (laughs) And with Moyo, what they're doing now is they're starting to prepare a lot more like pre-made scenes and scenes where you can just do yourself. Like, so you can adjust them however you want. And then another one that Jen and I are obsessed with Michael I would love to know what your experience is with this is ClickUp oh boy no I don't know what ClickUp is guys let me just like take you back for a second I'm sitting on my couch I have a newborn baby I have a team that I've just hired because I don't have time to do a ton of like the work on my own because I'm super busy I don't have SOPs. I communicate solely in Slack and email. I have nothing in my backend that like shows the steps of my branding process or teaches a contractor about like what an email swipe is or, you know, it's literally stored in my brain and it was driving me insane. And so I was like, Giselle, help. And she has been trying to get me to join ClickUp for a really long time. And I was just like, oh, I don't need that. 
guys, I needed it. I didn't know how badly I needed it until I literally got my whole business set up. And I actually worked with Nikki from Envious Business Strategies. She is fantastic. And I did a VIP day with her where she kind of let me like kind of word vomit to her about like all of the different steps in my process. I discovered all these phases and steps that were in my brain that like I could just keep breaking things down into more granular tasks. And so I was able to, she went in and like wrote my SOPs for me. And if you don't guys don't know what an SOP is, it's, it's called a standard operating procedure. And it's just basically like a list of the different steps that go into something. I know y'all know what it is, but people listening might not. So now my ClickUp is fantastic and I have everything kind of set. I'm able to assign tasks to various contractors. Um, ClickUp, one of the things that I like about it versus Asana, which I think is kind of the industry standard for a lot of brand designers, is that ClickUp is very versatile. You can pretty much kind of create custom tags and statuses and groupings and you can name like different statuses based on like the way that your process works. Like if you work with a developer, you can create a custom status that says waiting on developer or whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that I like about it that sets it apart from some other like project management systems that I've seen before. But let me tell you guys, I feel so much better having my business set up in ClickUp. I swear we're not an affiliate for ClickUp yet. <laughs> I literally am just so obsessed with it. I know, <laughs> I need to. We need to because like we seriously like love it so much. But Giselle, do you want to tell us about like how long you've been using it for and then kind of like how that's changed your business now that yeah. I've like gushed about how much I love it? I think it was just yesterday. We were going over like all the things we need to do for the season to launch and Jen was like, we're going to do a better click up board. And I told her, oh, we already have one. She's like, what? <laughs> because I, I like she said, I tried getting her on ClickUp and we even made a, a better ClickUp, but we never used it. I've used ClickUp for years, Jen. Why are you so behind? But like, I'm on the train and I'm not getting off anytime soon. That's the <laughs> thing is that, you know, it is, Asana is an industry standard um, for brand designers. They're really happy with it, familiar with it. Trello is another one. I was a big Trello person. I was a type of person that I tried Asana. I didn't really like it. So I stuck with Trello for a long time. And then when I saw ClickUp, I, I was like diehard Trello. Then I tried ClickUp and it just immediately caught me. So that's saying a lot. And I like to call it as like ClickUp and Trello had a baby. Mm. And I've also tried Monday because one of our retainer clients is actually on Monday and they prefer us to um, communicate there and like handle projects there. And it kind of drives me a little crazy. And I've told them about ClickUp, but they're like, they have the whole team in there. So obviously I can't like, just like have them head over there. But yeah, that and like Avani Mariela, she's been a guest on our podcast. She was diehard Asana for a really long time and recently got her team on ClickUp and had her BA and everybody help get everything on ClickUp. And now she's like diehard ClickUp. She loves it. And she has like a pretty big agency now. And is just like kicking butt for sure. Nice. I, I'll have to look into ClickUp because I don't do projects anymore. You know, I don't take right? on client work. But what I have to do to continue to grow my business is to find affiliates. And so if there's always steps of that process and I have it laid out in a Trello board or whatever, but maybe it would be easier. I'll look into ClickUp where it's just kind of like they reached out to me or I do outreach and then send offer, uh, you know, 
create link, uh, make marketing materials for this person, you know, whatever, maybe that'll be easier to handle in there than in just good old fashioned Trello. Yeah. And I, um, you know, Jen and I are doing the podcast on ClickUp now. We're like, we're handling it like that too. And ClickUp also helps you get started. They have a ton of YouTube videos to help you as well. Um, and they do like webinars based off of what industry you're in. So they, they, I bet you they have like a digital product template that you can get started off with and like watch videos to get an idea of how you can customize it. And knowing how your brain works, like you're going to do an amazing job with ClickUp, figuring that out and like being super innovative with it. I just was so surprised at like actually how many different steps there were in my, in my process. And it's actually helping me visualize how much time I'm really spending on like just backend business tasks, like sending canned emails and, you know, sending, um, wrap gifts and like making social media graphics. Like I'm noticing steps in my process that I'm going to be able to outsource to someone. And I'm, you know, hopefully going to be hiring a PM or a VA pretty soon because like, I'm like, you know what? The only parts that I really need to be doing are the design part and I can outsource this other stuff. So seeing it all laid out in front of me rather than in my head has really like starting to revolutionize the way that I see my business and yeah. is helping me like really let go of some of those tasks that doesn't necessarily need to be coming from me. So yeah. maybe that would help you too, Michael. I don't know. I mean, I know you have too. It's, I like being able to assign people to stuff because rather than sending an email or something like, Hey, can you do this? Like, and can you get it done by like this day at this time, you can just assign it to them and set a due date and a time. I know you can do that in Trello too, but it's just, I don't know. It's, it's just nicer from like a management perspective. I feel like it just makes it a little bit more easy for me to just assign someone to something and then they get a notification and it's just super easy. We can chat about it on the task. It's like links don't get lost. It's just, I mean, of course, this is me going from no project management system <laughs> to project management system. So I'm sure a lot of these things would get solved with other tools, but I'm very, very happy with ClickUp so far. Yeah. And one thing about Trello that I really liked was the uh, um, automations and I forgot what it was called, like the, the little robot that would Butler or something like that. Um... Yes, Butler. It was Butler. And, um, and then Trello acquired Butler. And so then automations became like you got like a very low limit and then you had to pay for it. And ClickUp, you get all of these automations. And I have used that as much as I can because there are so many little things, like little granular tasks that you realize, can I animate or not animate, automate this? And um, I actually purchased like one of the, I don't know, like the pro plan or something just so that I can automate as much as I could. But even without that, like you, I think you get like a hundred a month or something. So anyway. Right. There's so much I can talk about ClickUp. I'm not going to bore you guys with it, but I am working on creating a course for ClickUp for brand designers. And maybe by this time, hopefully I've launched it if it follows through. <laughs> Please keep working on that because I need it like right now. If you haven't gotten the, the idea yet, y'all should get on ClickUp. <laughs> <laughs> nudge, nudge. Well, let's go over to one that has revolutionized the way that we've exported our files for our clients. Um, that's one of the things yes. that for sure, like sending over the brand files to a client, it's like one of the most dreadful tasks that I've even delegated to my junior designers just because just of how much I just don't like to do it. Um, yeah, and then, it's probably my least favorite part of the brand process is yeah. like once everything's designed, all the fun parts done, then you have to like 
make a billion versions of everything. And like <laughs> each version has to be in RGB and CMYK and Pantone. And you have to have it as like a high quality, a low quality. Like, and so then each little thing has its own like family of like other files. And it just, it's a nightmare. <laughs> and then came oh. Logo Patch- Package Express. <laughs> oh, <Yeah. laughs> And guys, yeah. like, I mean, we'll be the first to say, like, we're affiliates with the Logo Package, but, like, even if we weren't, we would be gushing about it just as much because, like, it has saved us so much time in our exporting process. Like, I remember seeing it, like, I don't know, a couple years ago, and I I didn't really know what it was, so I was like, eh, whatever. And then, like, then we met Michael, and I downloaded it, and I was just, like, blown away by, like, literally how much time it saved me. Like, I mean, when he says that you can do it in three to five minutes, whereas I was spending probably a whole afternoon doing like a, an export, I would wake up and be like, oh, it's exporting day. Like, uh. yeah, <laughs> now I can just, you know, and, and even if I'm running the extension multiple times, like, it, t- you know, it doesn't take me very long at all. So I, I, I love it. And that's something that's one of the, that's probably one of the first tools that like I recommend to designers who like because it's just such a drastic time saver like that's the word I'm thinking a drastic time saver (laughs) yes Um, it is Michael tell us about your your baby my baby yeah how old is my baby now my baby is uh was born on October 1st wow (gasps) hey it's a birthday today it's a birthday birthday. (laughs) oh happy birthday oh man I'm I'm this is amazing. It's only two years old at this point. Sometimes I have birthday sales. I dropped the ball this year, but it's a little sketchy because there were two, there've been two versions. Well, there have been two distinctly different permutations of the product Logo Package Express. The first one was in October of 2018, uh, which was as many of you who use Illustrator have probably tried to make this process a little bit easier, uh, exporting logo files. You know, there's actions that you can record, there's templates, there's artboards, there's scripting, blah, blah, blah. So I combined all of that stuff together into the first project, which was our product, which was really just a bundle of scripts and actions and templates. And it did do the job, you know, it made about 80 logo files in about five minutes, but a lot of it was still manual recoloring and that sort of stuff. But that launched on October 1st, and that one was not very successful. That was, I, I did about four sales in four months. Uh, and it wasn't until I discovered the power of affiliates, uh, I actually got put in contact with Ian Paget of Logo Geek. And if you guys uh, aren't a part of the Logo Geek uh, Facebook group, it's a really great place to go and Ooh. show your work and that sort of thing. But he had, you know, 93,000 followers on Twitter. He had the largest active Facebook group for logo design specifically. And he was ranked number one on Google for the search term logo files. So he was interested in this sort of like really rudimentary version of the product. Um, And after I connected with him and he started promoting it with me, I ended up, you know, doing that first thousand dollars in sales. And that was like, okay, it's time to make this thing a reality um, and make it the best possible product. So then I had to go and hire a developer because I was way out of my depth um, to make an actual extension, a plugin instead of just like files you have to put randomly in your computer and then make it all work together. Um, An actual extension for Adobe Illustrator. And I launched that in May of 2019. 
So that's the tool that pretty much everybody knows and uses is this extension. And without getting too boring or too detailed, basically you select your your final logo and then it creates a new document with that logo and allows you to, using the interface of the extension panel, select the different parts of the logo. Sometimes you have a symbol or an icon. I call it a logo mark. And sometimes you have a logo type, which is just the name of the company or organization. And even sometimes you have a tagline. So you can set those different components. And then you just say, make print logos or make web logos, whichever uh, color space you want to work in first. And it automatically generates rows and columns of all the different combinations of those uh, components in all the different color variations you would want. You get an all white version, an all black version, an inverted version where some of it's white and some of it is in color. You get automatic Pantone conversion. If you haven't chosen Pantone colors, we've got a really smart algorithm that will find the best Pantone match for your colors. Of course, if you do have Pantone colors, you can use your own Pantone colors as well. And then once you get this grid, everything is customizable. If you need to recolor something or if you need to delete something that you don't want to export, you can do all of that. Then you just hit the export button and it automatically takes all those variations, sorts them into folders, gives them a, a good naming convention, a good folder structure. And then you move on to the other color space if, you're, if you want to make print files or web files, whichever ones you didn't make first. And then of course, there's a bunch of settings that allow you to really fine tune all of that and get exactly what you want. But it's automated. It provides every file format that your client's gonna want. And I'm, I'm always making improvements to it too. So there's some new features coming up. I just released some new features in August of 2020. Uh, that was version two, and um, yeah. I actually kind of debuted a demo with uh, the better group to to show it off. But um, yeah, and the update, the one from August, like that is now one of my favorite features is customizing the you know the the names and the folders, all of that stuff. And one of my other favorite features is what you were mentioning, the Pantone, like because. That's another thing that really bothered me was having to find the right Pantone color and then having to copy all of that information and put it into the style sheet. And now I can just do that after I do the logo package. When I use an extension, I can just copy that over and it's so much easier. Uh, obviously, besides completely automating the entire experience and you just right. have to just run it again one more time for whatever else. It's just amazing. Just the other day, I got a logo approved and I was emailing them, oh, this is great. I'm going to send you the logo files. And then, and you know, like by the end of the day or something like that. And then I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do it right now. And I head over and literally five minutes, I get it all done. And I'm like, all right, thanks so much for approving this. Here are the logo files. And like, yeah. he deleted the previous draft. <laughs> That's how fast it is, guys. <laughs> right. And another, another thing that is um, a nightmare is when a client goes from having no trademarking to having trademarks or to going oh. from a TM to what I call an R ball, but you know, like the registered mark. And you've got 200 files. You either start from scratch and remake all of them, or you replace that little TM with an R or whatever. And with, with Logo Package Express, just upload just remake the package with the new artwork and five minutes later, you know, you've got the new artwork. So thankfully yeah, that hasn't happened to me, but now I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually in the process of getting my new um, business name trademarked. And so I don't have a TM on the logo right now, but 
I kind of want to put the art ball on there because it makes me feel really, really legit. So I'll definitely have to use, have to use the logo package for that. But one of the features that I wanted to say is part, like one of my favorite parts of it is that when you export to a folder, it creates a folder for you and you can name the folder, whatever you want. I like to use dashes and lowercase letters in my, you know, my folder and file names. It's just a preference of mine. I like how it matches, but also I like that when you X, if you're, if you're going to run the extension again, say you have like, like a weird, like third version that you need to do. So you just run it again. It will automatically put those files in the same folder that you export it to. I don't know if that makes yes. sense, but like rather than creating a whole new folder that you then have to like take everything out and put it in the other folder that you already created, the logo package is like smart enough to recognize like, okay, there's this folder and we're going to just put the files in that same folder. So it yes. literally like, you would think that like you would end up with this crazy like finder explosion where you have all of these like crazy files and folders, but it actually like is very intuitive and like it knows when you mm -hmm. want something to go into the same folder, which I think is such a nice touch and like was one of my hesitations beforehand. But like when I, now that I see it working, I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't even need to deal with my finder or like organizing. <laughs> it just does it. It's like, I want the logo package for like my whole business. I, I am always trying to make improvements too. You know, it's, it's kind of always in the logo space, but you know, I have, I have a few things in the works if you all want to hear about them. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Give us the tea. Well, cool. Okay. Here's the tea. No shade. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm judging myself, guys. I'm judging myself. <laughs> uh, the, there's two things going on. There's improvements to the extension, and then there's a whole new product. Whoa. Yeah. Um, the Whoa. improvements to the extension... Uh, the last version I released, I had custom file and folder naming. I released padding or clear space, being able to add that to the files and multi-scale export to be able to say, I want a JPEG at 300 pixels, 900 pixels, and 1200 pixels and get all of that exported in one go. The next version, I don't know that it will be a major version or if it'll just be kind of like an update, but the two major things that I want to implement are folder structure customization instead of just changing the names, you know, mm. a lot of people really enjoy my organization, but everyone is different and they have different ways to organize it. So it'll be a very simple interface that just takes the hierarchy. You know, we have the component at the top, whether it's the logo mark or whatever, the logo. And then we have the, I'm going to mix it up trying to think about it right now, but like the, if it's for print or if it's for web, and then we have, you know, what's the color gamut it's in, and then uh, the different file formats and stuff. So there's a hierarchy there. It doesn't matter what the naming is. Mm -hmm. So the interface is simply showing that hierarchy and letting you move folders up, move folders down, or delete them. And it's just, it's just like four levels of hierarchy. So it's not like you'd have to say, well, I actually want this one to go here and this one to go here and really complicated. Just move those four folders around, delete them uh, if you don't want them. And now instead of getting my package that says logo, logo type, logo mark, you know, in, and then you got to dig down further. You might want to start with print and web. Maybe that's the most important thing to you. So now when you open up the logo, logo package, it's like print or web, and then it's logo, logo type, whatever. So rearranging that folder organization, I think is the last level of customization to fully optimize and make it exactly how you used to make logo packages, but automated in very quickly. 
The second major feature, which has been requested since the beginning of this entire project for me, is custom variations. So you you both have been talking about, um, you know, if you need something else, you just run the extension again. And that's very true. And it's still very, very quick. You might have a version of the logo where the mark is to the left, you know, a horizontal version, and you might have a vertical stacked version. You might have a badge version. Mm-hmm. And currently you'd have to run the logo package um, express extension two times to get those two different variations. And what I'm working on is making it so that you can set all of those different variations and you can specify custom color schemes too. Cause I'm giving you black, white, but I'm not, let's say you have three brand colors, red, green, and blue or whatever. I'm not allowing you to really make the red, green, and blue versions in one go. You'd have to upload those and do a second run of the extension. So color, custom color variations and custom layout variations and being able to have all of that come together and export all of that at once, um, which is kind of like the final cherry on top of this product that, that people have been waiting for. So I've got the, the mock-ups done. I've got the prototyping done. I just have to get it developed. So that's, that's what's upcoming for the extension. And that's 2021 then, maybe or like further than that? I don't know. 2021, okay. certainly. Sooner okay. than that, maybe. Hmm. Um, the, <laughs> yeah, the, it kind of depends on my developer. I have a relationship where it's me coming up with the ideas and then a developer who at this point is like the only one who knows what's going on in, inside of <laughs> my baby. Um, <laughs> so the, the other thing is a whole new product. And essentially when I, when I did my research about this, this problem, I found that logo designers who were new didn't know what file formats to provide and to their, to their clients. And designers who were seasoned uh, knew what they needed to provide, but it t- takes forever and it's just a pain. So Logo Package Express solves the designer's problem. But there's another problem, which is that the client is then receiving 200 logo files. And most clients don't know the difference between an EPS an SVG, a JPEG, they, they don't have the software to open up and preview the files. So even if the naming convention is really strong and they feel like they have the right file, they can't really verify it because they can't open up and look at it. So managing these logos is really a problem. And what ends up happening is the client comes back to the designer and says, oh, can you send me an EPS of my logo? And you're like, well, you have it. And then, yeah, I don't know where that's at or I lost the folder or whatever. So there's a lot of back and forth after the project is completed. So the new tool would be a web portal for your logo assets. And, you know, you might be thinking, well, I already use Google Drive or Dropbox for that. But what's different about this is, A, it will automatically sync your package, all of your logo files from the extension to the web portal. So there's no like uploading process. And B, it provides a visual representation because of of all the files that are available because... Uh, Drive or Dropbox, you might be able to get a preview of a JPEG or something like that, but you cannot preview the Illustrator file. You probably can't preview the EPS or even the PDF, really, unless you open up another window. So it's a visual preview, and then it's catered to the way the client thinks about what they need. And it's very, very simple. There are two filters, and then there is a grid of the different logo options. They get to change the color. So the client knows, oh, I want the full color version or I want just the black version or whatever. 
That's one filter. The other filter is what are you using the logo for? Are you using it for your website, for social media? Are you using it for printing? What about a trade show or vehicle decals, whatever? And they just choose what they need to use it for. And we serve up automatically the right file. And, you know, nine times out of 10, a printer is going to take a PDF. But in the cases where they do need a specific file, we do have some advanced filters where you can check pixel-based versus vector-based, and you can check uh, the different file formats that are available. So if you have a really a client who's really slow and techni technologically challenged, they've got the basic filters and we're going to automatically give them what they need. If you've got a client who's a little more savvy, they can click some of the advanced filters. And lastly, each preview is keeping track of those selections. So it'll say something like you're using this for your website. It's a pixel based image and it's a PNG. And if they don't know what those things mean, they can just click on that little context bar and get a little pop-up that puts in very simple terms for them. A vector is a file that will scale up and down without losing resolution, you know, whatever, and is best used for printing. So it really should handle the whole client side of this issue of not being able to visually identify the logo, of not knowing what the logo is supposed to be used for, of not understanding file formats, and just make it very, very easy. And I'm in the final phases of testing that with actual client type people. And the, the response has been universally good that they think that this system is better than their current system. So hopefully that will also be something that is available next year as well. And there I'm you go. So, I'm so excited about this. I, I try to forget that that's coming because then I get really impatient. <laughs> right. I know. I'm like, I need this yesterday. I mean, yeah. my poor clients, when I send them all the, these files, they, they just, I mean, I can explain as much as I want to in my style guide. Like, okay, this is what RGB mm -hmm. means, you know, but then I still have, I had a client the other day say, hey, um, uh, can you get me the Pantone colors for my Squarespace site? And I was like, uh, you use Pantone colors for print and you use X colors for the website. You know, I mean, of course I was not rude about it, but like, you know, I mean, and, and like, there's no way that they could know that's not what they, that's not their, their zone of genius. That's what we do. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah. And does this have a name? It is called Logo Package Portal. Yes. Ah. Logo Package oh yeah. Portal. Oh Yeah. All right. You guys have to keep an eye out. I'm sure we're going to announce it on the Facebook group. So if you're not in the oh, Facebook yes. group, get in there so you don't miss out on all the exciting things going on in the industry. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, there are some really exciting things coming. And do you have um, any place that people can find you, follow you, get any updates from you and what you're brewing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, to get updates and to just kind of see what's going on generally with the logo package, um, you just want to go to thelogopackage.com and at the very bottom of the of the page, there's a newsletter sign up. I try not to spam people with stuff. It's usually, you know, good good content about resources or even about how to make good logo packages or do production on your logo files. Um, so you can sign up there, but just generally I have all the social media as well. Just look for the logo package on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and uh, you should be, you should definitely find me. Our inbox question for today is from Emma Panelenic. She asks, can I thrive in this career hand in hand with being a digital nomad? 
Michael, do you want to jump in with your answer to that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that our current times, everybody working from home has kind of proven either A, that it's possible, um, or B, has shown people that it is possible uh, because they've been forced to work remotely. But I can tell you from personal experience, I was a creative director for an agency remotely. I, I live in Chicago and I worked for an agency in San Diego. You know, I think the the retainer idea that we were talking about earlier with Jen is also kind of evidence of that. But no matter how you want to set up your business to be successful, you've got to get those fundamentals down. You know, like how am I getting clients? How am I talking to them? What are my processes? That sort of thing. Um, because then you can appear, well, you will be and appear to be an expert um, no matter if it's face-to-face or if you are doing something remotely. Now, I will say there is something special about being able to go and meet in person with someone or go have coffee with them to like just, you know, catch up with your client. Um, But it is certainly just a bonus, a perk. It's not necessary. And, you know, specifically the term digital nomad doesn't just mean you have your home office and you're working for people remotely. It means maybe you want to go to Australia next month and then you want to go to Thailand. And after that, you're going to Germany or whatever. I think some of the tools we talked about today would definitely help uh, like Mm -hmm. Calendly, you know, sort out time zones, that sort of stuff. Project management, make sure you're treating everybody with the same processes. Um, I don't see any reason that you can't be successful today as a digital nomad, um, as long as you've got sort of your fundamentals in place. Really, really well said. Yeah. Absolutely. I really couldn't say it any better than, than the way Michael put it. I mean, I think that this, the career that we have, a lot of the reasons why people start it this way is because they want to be digital nomad. I mean, y'all know I started literally because I felt forced into freelancing because I'm a military spouse and I can't go and work in physically in an office because I move every three years. So I mean, I don't know if I would consider myself a digital nomad in, in that sense, but I mean, Giselle has been there. I mean, you have like worked from cabins out in the woods and, you know, like you're, you're chasing internet sometimes. And like, <laughs> I would say that you're, you're, you're pretty much a digital nomad for sure. Even though like you do have like a house and you have like a home base, like, yeah, this is a very interesting chapter uh, of my life because it's like the most domestic chapter (laughs) that I've been living. But yeah, Wander Design, the reason for my company name is because I was wandering all the time. I was a digital nomad. And I mean, I still kind of am, but definitely not now because of COVID. But um, yeah, I started freelancing. I, you know, I'm originally from Southern California. I was in Paris freelancing. I was in um, Canada and Calgary freelancing. I was in Mexico freelancing. I spent three months in Mexico after I graduated college. I was just like, peace, like I'm out of this country. And like, you know, I, I thought for a long, that for the rest of my life, like I would be doing that. And that's why I left the agency world because I thought, you know, that even if I'm trying to freelance for an, an agency, like I don't have that freedom for me to choose my own projects and my own schedules and all of that stuff. And basically that kind of um, pushed me into starting my own business. So yes, you can definitely thrive in this career. And one other thing I want to say is if you find like bloggers or, you know, there are definitely people in our industry, brand designers that are digital nomads and are killing it. And you just got to find these people to give you like, kind of like a, 
I don't know what the word would be, like a metric or like, like a role model of some kind to show you that it works and that you can totally do that if that's what you want to do. Yeah. One, one example you can look up is um, Jacob Cass of justcreative.com. Um, he's, he's got a really well-known blog uh, and I don't know how much he writes about his travels still on the blog, but his social media and stuff like that. He's always in some cabana somewhere and you know, he's, he travels around all the time. They even have a travel blog as well. So that is, that's one resource for an example that you can look to. Yeah. And there's another one. I don't know too much about it, but it's just to put it in your radar. This girl uh, is teaching people how to be digital nomad. And she, I believe is a web designer and her, the the website is called freelance travel network.com. Check it out. I don't have any personal experience with it, but just letting you know that it exists. Michael, we just wanted to say again, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and for, you know, sharing your favorite resources and then also for creating this incredible tool that is, has really become a a part of my SOP. It's like, I have a task for it in ClickUp now, you know, so just thanks for jumping on with us and and for chatting today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always happy to talk with you both. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up for today, but um, we will see you guys in the Facebook group. Um, If you have any questions at all about the logo package, Michael is part of our group and he will find your question and he will answer it. I don't know how you see sometimes people ask questions, (laughs) but don't tag you. And then I see you pop up and you answer the question. I'm like, huh. You must have some sort of algorithm set up. (laughs) You do. do. I have a network of spies. So hop into the Facebook group. Tell us what you think. Tell us what your favorite resources are. We'll have a little discussion in there. And yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer podcast on Facebook. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources.